Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Nick D'Souza, and I'm here with Kevin Papetti. Kevin, last week we we said we would be happy with four out of six points, and, and what do you know? The Leafs gave us what we wanted and, and gave us four points. So do you think that maybe Sheldon Keefe and the rest of the team is actually watching this podcast or just a, a fluke? I think so. I think so. I think that explains why they lost the Calgary game. They knew going into the third that they only wanted four points. And that's what they did. So I don't think we can be completely satisfied after that Calgary game, but at least with the win in Edmonton, uh, we could be happy again. I know the Leafs last week, they got the win on the Saturday night against St. Louis. So I think they're listening to the podcast and they're knowing that they got to perform well on Saturdays because we normally record Sundays. Yeah, and they didn't want to overachieve and get six points out of six. So they're, they're leaving room for improvement and we can't really blame that. But let's get right into the three stars of the week. Uh, Kevin, do you want to do your first first three stars? Sure, I'll take the obvious one. I know I'm guessing you're going to take it too, but uh, let's start with Justin Hall. Uh, guy went 0 to 100 in terms of minutes. Uh, last year, he I think he played 11 games, barely played even when he did play. I had a hard time getting comfortable when he was in the lineup, largely because he was, he was just rusty. Uh, when he did get to play, and, and now he's out there on a shutdown pairing against McDavid. Uh thought they did great against against Edmonton there last night. I, I'm i assuming you have him. Before I get into my next two, do you have Hall on yours as well? Yeah, he was actually my first star, and I think it's it's almost, it should be unanimous for this week. Uh, when Barry went down yesterday, Hall kind of, the Hall-Muzzin line was almost depended on even more than they usually are. And they pass with flying colors, in my opinion, against a very good McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. So I'll let you do your next two. Yeah, so I think Hall was the obvious one. The next two, I, I was debating between a bunch of players. I've been taking Freddie every week, so this week I kind of went away from that uh, just to switch it up a bit. So I went with Kerfoot. Uh, he had like two points in 17 games or something like that. But I think he brings it on a, like, on a night-to-night basis. He's always competing. He's winning battles. He had a really nice assist in that Colorado game that they lost. Um, and now, I mean, that third line was really the story of the night against Edmonton. Uh, I know it wasn't all Kerfoot. you got to give some credit to Engvall. you got to give some credit to Mikhaev. But I think Kerfoot is kind of the straw that stirs the drink on that line. And uh, I gave him my second star as a result. And then my third star... Going off the board here, I went with Dimitro Timoshov. He hadn't played in, must have been, it was at least three games. I think it was closer to like five or six games that he hadn't played in. Um, just a, he, he plays heavy even though he's a smaller player. And that assist he had on the Goche goal with McDavid on the ice, you have, like, with Goche and Timoshov on the ice, you are not expecting to leave the score against McDavid, and that was a huge goal in last night's game. So uh, he got my third star as a result. Who are your... I know you have Hall as your first star. Who are your second and third? So my second and third are actually kind of a package deal. I'm going with John Tavares and then the third star, Mitchell Marner. Uh, one of the biggest complaints I think of a lot of Leafs fans had with those two, especially Marner, were was that they weren't producing at 5-on-5, five five. and this week they finally have had a few games of Tavares, Marner, and Hyman together, and they have really been good at 5-on-5. Five five. They've been playing the top competition, the top lines every single night, 
And Tavares has five even strain points in a week, so that's in three games. And Marner has four even strain points uh, in those three games. So it looks like as Janssen got injured and the, the Matthews, Nylander, Janssen line, like that line, that first line's kind of slowed down this week. Tavares, Marner, and Hyman have really picked it up and been fantastic. Uh, in response to your two stars, I think, forget about McDavid on the ice. McDavid was right on Timoshov's tail on that play. And when Timoshov like, decided, I think the Leafs were having a line change, and Timoshov was just almost like outside the blue line. And when he turned to, to regain the zone, and he had McDavid right on him, and when he stopped and made that pass, my jaw dropped. And Gauthier didn't even shoot the puck yet. But just that play in itself was amazing. And Gauthier really, you know, pulled one out of the hat for his for his good buddy, Dimitro, and, and scored. So I thought that was a fantastic play. I think the craziest part of that game was Gauthier almost scored two goals. He he had a wide open net earlier in the game. And he oh, yeah. it wide. It was the most Gauthier thing ever. But just looking back on the week here. So as you mentioned off the top, four out of six points. They had a 4-1 win against Vancouver. So it was 2 nothing after 1, Matthews from Tavares, and then Tavares scored right at the end of the first as well. Levo scored in the second, of course, I think we all saw that one coming. And then Tavares got the insurance marker with 5 to go. So, a pretty standard win, I don't think, I think the Leafs earned that one. Uh, I was happy with their performance that night. Vancouver, say they're a pretty average team, but the Leafs took care of business on the road. Um, so that was a pretty encouraging game, and then... The Calgary loss, they're up 2-1 after 2. Uh, Tavares scored from Marner, then Marner from Tavares. That's probably why they were in your three stars. But just collapsed at the start of the third. And I thought they did that in a similar fashion against Buffalo a week or two back. And everyone basically just blamed Hutchison. And now that it's Anderson and Nett, there's not really a scapegoat for the Leafs. So I think the Leafs kind of wore that one and... I mean, at least to their credit, they did come out with a good win against Edmonton. Uh, Kerfitt scored five minutes in. Mikhaev scored five minutes into the second. Uh, no penalties. At least still, I think they got six power plays this week in three games. So that's still a, a, a theme. Uh, but another win that I thought they deserved against Edmonton. So all in all, pretty good week considering it was three road games. And I don't think any of those teams are like gimme games. It's not like they played Detroit um, like we saw a couple of weeks ago, these are pretty tough games, especially on the road. So happy with the week, but what was your big takeaways from the week? Are you happy with the four? I know you said you'd be happy with the four, but are, are you a little bit bitter about that Calgary loss? I don't think so. I think there's been a reoccurring theme almost that with the Leafs, except for that Buffalo game, I, I personally didn't think they played very well. I didn't think they played very well throughout that game. Uh, against Buffalo but the other losses in the Keefe era I felt have been kind of similar where the Leafs play very well and for about five to ten minutes they completely just don't play well at all and it costs them in the end and we saw some dumb mistakes like in, in the Colorado game and and now again in the Calgary game and it's costing them points so you know in the moment it seems like the sky's kind of falling and you're wondering why this team keeps collapsing the way they do in, in those losses. But going forward, it's a good thing that they're playing well in these games in large stretches. And these are mistakes that I think that they can clean up. And there's still, you know, f over 40 games left in the season. So 
you know, when I look at that Calgary game, I still was quite optimistic after it. And sure enough, they won the game right after against Vancouver. So, I mean, it's sorry against Edmonton. So I'm okay with the um, I'm okay with this week. I I think the Leafs played well for the majority of it. So and and when you look at the whole road trip, they're three and one. So so I'm happy with it for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the opposite approach. I was not happy with that Calgary game. Um, just I was th- look going into the third, I was thinking. Even one point would be a slight disappointment, but that seemed like the bare minimum when you're up a goal uh, after 40 minutes. Just, I mean, Goudreau 19 seconds in, I do not know how these goals are, are happening. For me, when, and I know Hall got our first star, both of us gave him our first star this week, but when Hall's off the ice, this team just scares me defensively. You have... Your other two right-chain defensemen are Tyson Berry and Cody Ceci. And right now, given how the pairings are, the only time I'm kind of comfortable with a lead right now is when that Muzzin-Hall shutdown pairing is on. When they're off the ice, I'm not comfortable. And, I mean, you can complain a little bit about the, the Matthews line defensively. I think you can nitpick at the forwards. Um, but... I look at these defense pairings, and I'm still not too sure what Keith's doing here. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find the Riley Berry pairing frustrating. What have you? What are your thoughts so far on the D pairings in general, and specifically that Riley Berry pairing? Well, I think last week I talked about in extensively how important I feel having Hall and Muzzin together, and I think. After these three games, it's obvious now. Um, they are the most important pairing for this team. They're the pairing that they've been that the Leafs have been looking for all year. Uh, a, a pairing that they can be comfortable uh, playing against top lines. And this week, they they were really good. Um, when it comes to Barry and Riley, I think that they're a line that they're a pairing that it's not going to work overnight. And it's they've only been together for about four to five games. Um, I mean, before that, they were kind of tried out here and there, but, you know, usually Riley was back with CeCe and, and Muzzin was back with, with Barry or, or Hall. So it, I think that they're, it's going to take a little while for them to kind of fix up some of these mistakes that they're making and, and their whole careers, both of them have been the defenseman in the pairing that jumps up into the rush and makes the very aggressive pinch. And now we're starting to learn that. You know, them together, especially at first, they are both still kind of making those dangerous pinches and it's led to a lot of breakaways. Um, so it's, I think it's something that they're still learning, playing with each other. And with their skill sets, they're both such good skaters. They're not very good defensively, but I think that they have enough raw skills that they can learn how to adequately kind of choose when to jump up into the rush and, and whatnot. So I'm patient with them. Um, but, I mean, there have been times throughout this past four or five games that have not been pretty. Yeah, if I'm an opposing forward, I'm looking at the Riley Berry pairing and just thinking I'm in heaven. Uh, like, especially come playoff time, and that's what I always come back to. And when you're facing a top line, and for Leafs fans, the one that comes to mind is that Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron line. Like, I do not trust Riley Berry for a second against them. And... 
I mean, they do create offense, but it feels like they can't create enough offense to offset their defense at times. And, like, Barry's weak. Um, he's he's a good puck mover. He's a good skater. But he loses battles easily. And it feels like he's out of position a lot. And then, like, they both kind of seem like they need a babysitter. And I think they're both good players. I think they're both good puck movers. They have a long history of success, both of them. I'm just not convinced. And I know, like, we've, we've gone back to this a few times where Riley hasn't had great partners over the years. But... I think he's best suited for a defensive defenseman to play with him, but an actually good defensive defenseman. Uh, I don't know if the Leafs have that unless you give him Justin Hall, and I don't know if you want to break up the the Muzzin-Hall pairing, but it feels like week after week we come back to this where it's, you know, the Leafs are kind of missing a defenseman on the roster, and we'll see if Barry's missing some time. I know he got hurt. Uh, Sandine going to the World Juniors maybe suggests that Barry's okay, uh, or at least increases the odds that he's okay, it seems. But it'll be interesting to see, especially if Barry's out, what happens, because I really have no idea what they're going to do with this defense pairings. Yeah, well, when, if we're talking about playoff pairings, my opinion changes a little bit. I think, ideally, my dream pairings are still Muzzin Hall against top competition, Riley with, like you said, a defensive defenseman, if they're able to flip CeCe and, and somehow get that defensive defenseman, uh, then that would be your second pairing. And then the third pairing would be Dermot aside Barry in pretty sheltered minutes. I think those are the pairings that are kind of the dream, the dream setup come playoff time. But I mean, that remains to be seen. For now, I'm okay with Riley and Barry together as they kind of learn how to get together. I think when it comes to their offensive production, um, a lot of their ice time has been with the Matthews Nylander line, and this week they haven't been as offensively explosive as we have seen in the past, uh, especially when Janssen was in the lineup. So, I mean, I, I can only see that changing going forward. I mean, Matthews and Nylander are so good, and they're they're too good to to not um, to not start scoring. So even with Janssen not in the, on the line, so. When it comes to Riley Berry, I think that they will be able to create enough offense to potentially offset that defense. But, you know, for for this week, it hasn't looked too, too pretty. So you mentioned Matthews, the Matthews line there. So let's start with the forwards. I saw a few people criticizing Keith's lineup uh, on Twitter. I myself have crit- criticisms of the lineup, but... Uh, there's some that I agree with, some I don't agree with. I know I saw one uh, that someone wanted Spets on the third line. Uh, obviously, the third line played very well on Saturday. I don't think one game is that meaningful. But for me, I like going with four centers of Tavares, Matthews, Kerfoot, and Spezza. I just like taking it to the opponents 100% of the time. Um, let's start there. Is that what you would do with your centers? Because if if you would, then we can kind of build off that and discuss wingers. Is that is that the same setup that you'd go with? Definitely. I mean, I I think the only other options would be Goche on that fourth line, or I mean, what was the other options that they were talking about? Well, there's Goche. The other one would be, I guess, Engvall. But I mean, I think we know he's kind of a temporary solution until Janssen comes back because they can't afford him. Yeah, well, I think with Engvall, he's a guy that you can trust on the left wing, and the Leafs don't really have a fourth-line guy unless you bring up Patan 
Um, so, I mean, Engvall on the third line has been working, whether he's been on the third line or the fourth line. So I think there's not really a reason to change that. Okay, so let's start. Let's assume those four centers then. So the first center, I'm going to use Tavares because he matches up against top competition. I consider him the first line center. So he's with Hyman and Marner. For me, I don't want to change that. Uh, it looks like they're, they were outstanding last year, and it looks like they've they finally found their stride. Uh, any complaints about that line? Any ideas to change it, or are you just keeping that line? Well, going? the only complaint with that line is they just need to stay healthy. They're, they've, they've finally got it going because pretty much this is the, the only string of games that they've all been healthy. So it's really nice to see them pick up that chemistry and, and pick up exactly where they were last year, which was outstanding against other teams' top lines. So definitely not changing that line. Okay, so then we go to the Matthews line where it's currently Nylander at left wing and Kapanen at right wing. Uh, keeps trying something new there. What have you thought of that line? I think it's a makeshift line. I mean... To me, the Janssen, Matthews, Nylander line has been really good this year and easily their best line, most consistent line definitely throughout the year. I know Janssen has gotten a lot of complaints and he kind of plays the third fiddle on that line just because of how good Matthews and Nylander are. But I think now we're starting to learn, if, if you didn't know before, now we're starting to learn that Janssen is a very important part of that line. He does. He's very good at getting open. He's quite good at winning battles. And with his puck luck in front of the net, it hasn't been there. He's currently shooting 3%, around 3% at even strength. So I think now the Leafs are kind of... Keefe is just trying some different options. I mean, whether it's Aberg is, who's been there and now kind of getting Kapanen in there. I never, I don't think that it's been as good as it was with Janssen. And I think as soon as Janssen comes back, he's going to be right back on that line. So they haven't really been as effective and it looks like they're still kind of figuring it out as especially Kapanen who's kind of still trying to find himself on this team especially when he's not on that third line so it's just makeshift lines for me let's say Janssen's out a month I don't know when he's coming back would you keep Kapanen there I'm okay with it I think that they'll figure it out and they'll they'll produce enough offense that it'll be okay in the time being in my opinion especially if they're they're facing second and third lines while Tavares takes the top lines. Okay, I got a different opinion. I do not like it. Um, I think, for a few reasons, I think that third line could use Kapanen's offense. Now, I know it's a weird time to say that because, I mean, they just scored two goals against Edmonton, but Kerfoot was in a, in a stretch with two points in 17 games, something like that. And I think this team is built on their center-right wing duos. So... Like, I, I love looking at the lineup and going, okay, I got Tavares Marner, then I got Matthews Nylander following them, and then finally I have Kerfoot and Kapanen. And I think that's what this team's built on. And for me, the Matthews Nylander duo has, they could use a heavy player there. We saw them with Hyman years ago. It worked great. We saw them with Janssen, who plays quite heavy. Uh, it worked out quite well. I'll agree with you there, but... Like, for me, I'd like to see Kerfoot back with Kapanen, and then I'd like to see someone like Makayev or Engvall with Matthews. What would you think of either... So there's three options here that I'm, I'd be okay with. Makayev, Engvall, or Moore. What would you think of any of those three in that spot? Uh, I would be okay with it. And I definitely I agree with you that Kapanen has been better in that third line alongside Kerfoot. It kind of looks like that's... 
it kind of suits him more the way that he plays um, to be playing against the you know the bottom pairings of of other teams. But I'm okay with Keith trying new things. So I mean, if if he does it does if Engvall does have a string of games with Matthews and Nylander, I'm okay with it. And then he switches it up if it's not working to potentially Trevor Moore. I think that just keeping that line fluid and seeing what works and what what doesn't, I think that's where I am in terms of where they should be going this month. So I would just like to see some different things. And and if they keep the Kapanen thing for a few games and it doesn't work and then they switch it up, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, I'm going to take a different approach again. So I would say last season when they're sitting in a playoff spot and everyone knows they're playing Boston in January, let alone March. At that point in time, I was completely fine with trying things. I know that was Babcock, but if Babcock would have tried this Nylander, Matthews, Kapanen line for an extended stretch, I would be okay with it. Like, let's see it. But at this point, like, the Leafs are 12th out of 16th in terms of points percentage in the Eastern Conference right now. They need wins. They need wins now. So, like, Keith has to have... This isn't experimentation time for me. This is win time. So, like... I want him putting his best lineup out there. So what line do you think is what that you would do is is win time though because there's no there's no past history of Engvall, Matthews and Nylander together working well. There's no history of more Matthews Nylander doing well and it's the same thing with Kapanen. So I mean there has to be a level of experimentation because there's no past history that would show we're going to win with this line together. Well, you know Hyman's played well. Like you either play Hyman there or you play someone who plays like Hyman and like a guy like Makayev or Engvall, they're good on the forecheck. They're fast. They have, they're defensively responsible. For me, what the Matthews line needs is someone who's going to be, you know, almost like quiet positionally or responsible positionally. Um, what they don't need is to be running around the ice. And right now it feels like they have three players who love to run around the ice. Now, I think Matthews is probably taking a little bit too much criticism these days. Like, he's a phenomenal player. I don't know why there's any even a conversation about that. Um, but both he and Nylander are, are takeaway specialists who chase guys down from behind and, and steal a puck. Like They could use someone, and Mikhaev's very good at it, where he's at the top of the offensive zone. He's the the third guy back. There's two defensemen behind him. He's the third guy kind of supporting the defense. I think they could use that on that line. And for whatever reason, when Kapanen's played in the top six this year, whether it's been with Tavares and Marner or or Matthews and Nylander, it hasn't worked. And when I, like today especially, I, I saw a lot of people suggesting maybe a trade for Kapanen. Uh, for me, I think that's a look going a little bit far unless you get a steal. Um, I don't know about you, but I mean, I still view Kapanen, even if he doesn't play in the top six, I still view him as a very valuable player on this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when it comes to to Kappen, and I don't think he should be traded unless, like you said, it's a steal. Uh, I think I checked this morning. His, he's on pace for about 45 points. Um, now, it might be, it's, I think it's give or take a few points there. But 45 points, I mean, it's a li- pretty similar to what he was at last year. Um, it might be a little bit lower than that. So he's also a very good penalty killer, and his contract isn't too big. It's it's pretty manageable and, and movable if he uh if they need to so i don't think it's it's any sort of emergency the way that he's playing and the fact that he's not in the top six 
or isn't really fitting in the top six right now isn't really a big deal because the Leafs have Marner and Nylander uh, as their top two right wingers anyway. So when it comes to that, I, I definitely agree. Uh, when it comes to the wingers onto Matthews and Nylander's line, I'd be okay with Engvall, Moore, or Mikheyev up there. Hyman, I definitely would not. I think we do have history of them playing well together, but that Tavares, Marner, and Hyman line together is so important to the team that I just don't see a reason to break that up, even if it is to get Matthews and Nylander going. They have other options that they can try out uh, to get them going. So I think that's where I stand there. So if if Sheldon Keefe called you tonight and said, I'm going to put either Mikhaev, Engvall, or Moore on that line, which one should I put? What would, what would your answer be? I would probably put put Engvall up there. I think Moro could use a few games just back in the lineup and uh, back on the right wing where he where he's used to, to just to get back into it. Um, and with Mikheyev, I've liked Mikheyev and Kerfa together, and it looks like you know they haven't been that good in the past few weeks. But last night they looked good, and I think that's something that they should just keep. They should keep that line together. Um, well especially the, the Kerfoot and Mikheyev pairing together, just for a little bit to see how it goes. So I would I would say uh, Engvall. Yeah, like for me, I see Mikheyev and Engvall as similar players, so I don't have a strong opinion. I don't, you probably don't as well, but um, yeah, I, I'd love to see Engvall there and be a good opportunity for him as a young player. Um, I don't think I'd be, like, if it's more, if it's Mikheyev, if it's Engvall, I'm not going to really have much of a reaction. Um, so let's talk about that Kerfoot line because that's kind of the the line of the day, if you if you call it. Um, they're the kind of the hero line against Edmonton. Now I don't expect this type of offense from them on a regular basis. Over the long term, we really haven't seen that. But I do like that I can trust that line defensively. All three players can skate. All three players are are pretty responsible in terms of positioning, in terms of back checking. Uh, they can all win battles. I like that you don't have to line match quite as aggressively as Babcock used to because you have this third line that you can play for a shift or two against McDavid and not freak out. So for me, that's what I look for in that third line right now. I'd like to have a little bit more offense with Kappen in there, but uh, all in all, I've been pretty impressed with that third line over the last couple games. I don't know. Are you with me on that one? Definitely. Uh, I think at the beginning, I don't know if it was Dubis or who, maybe it was Babcock, said that they were planning on having that Kerfoot line with Mikheyev as the shutdown forward line. Now, that's not something I, I wouldn't go that far. But like you said, it is nice to have a third line that if the other team's top line happens to be against them and uh, due to an icing or whatever, it's nice to be able to trust them. And last year in the playoffs, when Kadri went down, the third line for the Leafs was Nylander, Brown, and Marlowe. So whenever they were up against the Bergeron line, it probably wasn't too pretty. So it's nice to have a third line that is able to hold their own against better lines. And I gave Kerfoot one of my three stars, and I think one of the reasons was, like, I, I saw a lot of criticism of him on, on Twitter, I think because he was in such a scoring slump. Um, but for me, like, looking beyond the points, I... I always thought this player was, like, he can play. He's a pretty good third-line center as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think the the scoring slump is, is just that, a, a small slump that, I mean, he'll, he'll get out of. 
Uh, he's not playing with McKinnon like he did last year. Uh, he's not getting much power play time just because, A, the Leafs don't get power plays, and B, uh, the second unit doesn't really get much of the power play time either. So uh, he is kind of limited to 5-on-5. Five five, but for me, he just he skates, he gets entries, he wins battles, he's good positionally. Uh, he's a pretty good playmaker. Like I've been pretty happy with Kerfoot. I know he's not cadre, but uh, all in all, like we didn't even know coming into the season how he'd be at center. And for me, he's answered a lot of questions to the point where I do like him on that third line center spot. And a couple of people asked me today, like, if I'd try Kerfoot with Matthews. And my answer was, like, I wouldn't mind that as a line, but, like, I like having Kerfoot as that third line center where if the third line center is out against McDavid, I'm not worrying. Whereas with Spezza, like, I don't think Spezza can possibly keep up to McDavid. So uh, I do like Kerfoot up the middle. I think it helps his transition game. Uh, I know that he had a bit of a scoring slump there, but for me, I'm still happy with him. Yeah, well, I think with Kerfoot, he is kind of up against a tough crowd just because he was involved in that Kadri deal, as you were saying. Like, he's not going to be Nazan Kadri. At the end of the day, Kadri was an over-qualified third-line center, but Kerfoot has been better than what I expected but to expect him to be as good as Kadri is kind of unfair because I mean Nazem Kadri at the end of the day is a good second line center so I've been happy with Kerfoot I mean that transition to center was a little mysterious at the beginning of the year but he has he's been good there and, and like you said you can trust him when it comes to Mikheyev I think his as some people have been talking about it, but his even strength production production this year has been something that I don't think many people really predicted. He is currently third on the team. He's actually tied in second place in even strength points uh, with William Nylander at 17. So that is something I didn't expect. And it's not like he's really even, you know, relying on second assists. He has uh, eight first assists right now. So He's getting it done somehow. So and and he's been a great penalty killer. So when it comes to him, he's been he's really impressed me. Him and Envo both very good on the penalty kill. I think that's been probably the biggest improvement under or one of the bigger improvements under Keefe is the penalty kill just looks better. Part of that's getting Hyman back. Part of that's getting Marner back. Um, but I I am happy, especially Envo on the on the penalty kill. He's got a long reach. He skates. I've been I've been pretty happy. So let's go to the fourth line here to wrap up the forwards. So we got a bunch of players you can talk about here. So we have Spezza, Goche, Moore, Timoshov. If you want to get into some Marlies, you got Patan, Aberg, uh, Agostino, Bracco, Marchment. Uh, so what would your what are you thinking for this fourth line? I know it's it's kind of the leftovers, like the players that don't play in the top nine. I kind of throw into this conversation. Uh, so lots of players to choose from, but what do you like? I know you said you like Spezza as the fourth line center. Who do you like on his wings? I have to assume Moore is one. Moore is definitely one. Moore is, is going to be on the right wing. And I'm assuming, we're assuming that this is a healthy lineup. So I think Engvall, and, and I'd have to look at the cap situation there to see if they can bring him up. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they would have to only carry 20 forwards. But... Uh, some things have changed there, so I mean they'd have to kind of work that out. But twenty uh, players, yeah, twenty. Pl- Sorry, twenty. Did I say twenty forwards? <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's the, quite the... the modern NHL, maybe. <laughs> but uh, so I would go Engvall, Spezza, and Moore. And that's assuming that Janssen is back and that third line is Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and Kapanen. Would you agree with that fourth line or do you have someone different? Sorry, who is your second winger there? Moore and? The Moore and Engvall. Yeah, so like I'm taking Engvall out of this though because he's going to be on the Marlies when, when Janssen comes back, unless there's a trade. So uh, not assuming, like, if you take Engvall out of it, who is your second winger on that line? And I would assume Patan is also down too then. Uh, you can fit him in. You just got to... He's like 200, yeah, a little less. But I guess Patan then. I think that having a fourth line that can create offense is something that I guess Keefe's Leafs is going to be known for. It's not going to be known for... Um, you know, getting defensive zone starts and, and just almost wasting time until their top two lines are out. So, and, and especially when you start playing good teams, most teams have two good lines. So you need those third and fourth lines to be able to create offense and, and also be good defensively. So I'll have Patan, Spezza, and Moore. And I almost would like to see Patan and Moore kind of mimic what we saw last year with Ennis and Moore. Now, Patan isn't as feisty, especially in the corners, as Ennis was. and But he does have some offensive upside, and, and he's a strong skater, and he's very creative in the offensive zone. So if you combine that with Spezza's offensive skills and, and Moore's tenacity, and he has a, a level of finish that we haven't really seen this year thus far, but he has it in his skill set. So I would like to see that as my fourth line. So I guess I'll agree with you saying if Angval was... If that was a possibility, I'd be in for that too. I'd want Engvall. I think he's played incredibly well, um, about as well as we could have possibly expected. Um, but given that, given the cap situation and, and what it looks like it's going to be on paper here, like Patan, I haven't been overly impressed with him in, at the NHL level. I think every time I watch him at the AHL level with the Marlies, he just looks too good for the league. Um, so I wonder if he's better suited for center because he plays center with the Marlies. Um, I wouldn't mind, like, I don't mind Patan. I don't mind giving him a chance. Uh, I don't see a huge gap between Patan and Timoshov like many others do. Uh, for me, Timoshov plays pretty heavy, gets in on the forecheck, does things the team needs, hits a little bit. Uh, he can pass. I mean, he's, he's always been known as a good passer, whether it was in the queue, whether it was with the Marlies, so we saw it the other night against against Edmonton. So for me, I don't see a huge difference there, uh, just because I think Timoshov plays a bit heavier. I know Timoshov doesn't really have great numbers this year, but for me, that's just a matter of getting buried with, with Gochi and Shore for defensive zone starts. So um, the player I'm... And I, I know I mentioned this last episode, but Mason Marchment... When Engvall, like Engvall, you can't afford when healthy, but Barshman, you could. I think he makes like 700 or very close to 700. I want some power plays, and I think he could help the Leafs get some power plays. I, I know he'd be an instant fan favorite. Uh, I'm not a huge, like, I don't really care about the fighting aspect, but I do want the odd power play, and I wouldn't mind giving him at least a taste this year just to to see what he can do the skating's a bit of a concern but again takeaway specialist goes to the net and 
provides a little bit of energy. So I'd like to see Scotiabank Arena a little bit louder. I think he could uh, help in that regard, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think he'd definitely make it a little louder. He brings a lot of energy, and he's fantastic in the corners, takeaway specialist, as you said. I'm definitely a lot lower on the whole power play theory. I mean, I think there there is there does seem to be a a very direct correlation to the amount of penalties you take versus the amount of penalties you draw and but I'm not willing to take to bring Marchment in in order to somehow bring that up. Now, he for for the other reasons you said, I think that he could help the team. I mean, he does bring an aspect that the Leafs don't really have uh in abundance, but I want to see Marchment's overall game improve before I give him a shot. I think that he could be better in transition. Um, I want to see him be, become a little bit of better of a finisher. And like I said last week, whenever Le- uh, Marlies get called up to the Leafs, they are very good all around. Um, Janssen, Kapanen uh, come to mind. Trevor Moore comes to mind. And I just don't think Marchman is there just yet. Uh, and I mean, he just came back from injury and, and he's he's missed a number of games because of that. So Maybe later in the year, and, and we'll see how his year goes with the Marlies, we, he could you know, kind of come into my consideration. But for now, I just want to see him with the, with the Marlies and kind of grow his game before I bring him up. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to get to the point where he's Janssen or Kapanen, but Definitely like, do, you think, do you think there's a big gap between Marchman and Timoshov? Like They both played on the Marlies last year. I think they're different players. I think they're kind of difficult to, to compare. I have been skeptical of Timoshov. I think that I'm probably a little bit lower than he, than he, on him, sorry, than you are at this point. I think that he's a fringe NHLer. I think that he has been okay this year. I think the Leafs have better options um, when completely healthy, and, and Timoshov's not really close to my playoff lineup. But where he is right now, where he's kind of getting some reps here and there, uh, getting a game or two every few weeks, I'm okay with that. But so, you know, whether he's better than Timoshov or not doesn't really get him into my lineup just yet. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm higher on Timoshov than you are. I'm just, like, for me, the Leafs have so many options for that last spot, whether it's Timoshov, Batan, Agostino, Aberg, Marchment. You can go down down the list. Um, other than like, when Goche's in, like, I don't really mind... I don't have a huge preference winger to winger there. Um, so, like, I, I'd be okay with losing Timoshov on waivers if you wanted to try someone like Marchman out. Um, just to give give him a chance, bring a different element to the table. Like, But having said that, like, Marchman just got back from injury, so you, you might want to make him earn it a bit, maybe give him another 5-10 games and, and reevaluate then. But... I mean, before we waste too much time on the fourth line here, let's go to the defense pairings. So I, I think their best... I'll, I'll leave this open to you. What do you think is their best defense pairing right now? Easily Muzzin and Hall. I mean, that's the, yeah, most, okay. that's the most reliable. That's the most... They're getting the toughest competition. They're getting the most minutes, especially this week. Um, so I think that's almost unanimous at this point. Yeah, and my, like Riley Berry has the name recognition and the longer track record, but I mean, watching the last week here, there's not much doubt in my mind that it's Muzzin Hall. Um, Muzzin 
is the player who I want everyone to play with. So I think, like, obviously he's played well with Hall. Uh, when I think of Morgan Riley and who I want him to play with, it's also Jake Muzzin, a good defenseman, but also a very good defensive defenseman. Uh, I liked Muzzin and Riley last year together. I'd be open to going back to that at some point uh, if the situation called for it. Uh, when I look at Barry, the player I want him to play with is Jake Muzzin. Uh, the reason it doesn't really work on the Leafs, in my opinion, is that they need Muzzin in a shutdown role. They don't really have any other options. And Barry can't really handle that. But like, if the Leafs had another Jake Muzzin, I would love to play Muzzin with Tyson Berry. Um, and then even Dermot. Like, Dermot would be a great fit next to Muzzin. So I think it speaks volumes when it comes to re-signing Muzzin and the importance of that. Uh, you don't want to overpay too much, but for me, Muzzin's just been uh, such a key part of this trade or key part of this team ever since the trade uh, last I think it was last January, so we're, we're getting close to a year now. But Hall, on the other hand, I don't think Hall is the focal point of the shutdown pairing. Like, I think if you split them up, Muzzin would be the shutdown pairing, not Hall's pairing, if that makes any sense. But Hall is, I mean, he's 6'4", long reach. He's He plays pretty heavy. Uh, obviously a right shot, which the, the Leafs, we all know, any Leafs fan knows the importance of a right shot at this point. Uh, he could penalty kill... I'm ready to extend him today. I think his price is just going up and up. Like, for me, even like two and a half million dollars, it's a done deal at this point. So, are you? Are, it sounds like you're there with Hall. Like, you're gonna give him a blank check. Um, but for me, like anything under three million, I I think I'd be okay with. Definitely. I mean, right now, when you look at his current contract, that looks like arguably one of the best contracts on the team. And he, and it's funny when you said you wanted Jake Muzzin to to play with everyone. When I look at Justin Hall, now I'm definitely not saying he's as good as Jake Muzzin or anything, but when I look at his skill set, I think it is quite similar to, to Jake Muzzin where he's not a tremendous skater. Um, Hall is not a, you know, very good at, at carrying the puck. Uh, neither is Jake Muzzin in my opinion, but just very smart defensemen who are positionally sound, can play heavy, good penalty killers, so I almost think like Hall is a poor man's right-handed Jake Muzzin right now. Um, and I do agree that if Muzzin was to, if, if they were to be split up, Muzzin's line would definitely be the shutdown pairing. But earlier, I think it was a few episodes ago, we talked about how Muzzin and Zaitsev played well against the Bergeron line last year as a shutdown pair. And the Leafs don't need someone to play alongside Muzzin, who's a star defenseman to be effective uh, to be an effective shutdown pair. So, and Hall has come in, and I think he's been better than Zaitsev. Um, it might be maybe too early or maybe too late to say that, but I'm really high on this pairing. It and and just for that reason alone, anything under three mil, I'd also sign it yesterday. You think Hall's been better than Zaitsev? Eh? It's quite the hot take. Yeah, well, some people might say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's saying that at this point. Um, <laughs> I will say I think Hall's a pretty good... I actually think he's a pretty good skater, pretty good puck carrier. Uh, he's really jumping up in the play. Uh, obviously, he's played Q's system in the past. And for me, it's just like completely different in terms of confidence last year. And uh, one thing, like it is tough, whether it's Hall, whether it's Levo back in the day, 
it is tough to like you don't even feel a part of the team when you're not playing for a month and then all of a sudden get into a game uh, when you're I mean you're, you're gonna be rusty you're not gonna be yourself for the first you know 10 minutes of the game at least um, the other night I think it was Saturday it was kind of funny because you have Hall out there who played 11 games last year he's out there against McDavid and does a great job in the shutdown role and then you had Josh Levo score against the Leafs this week uh, after being scratched by Babcock numerous times. And then I think kind of the the cherry on top of the week was Anthony Duclair scoring a hat trick against John Tortorella, including the overtime winner. He's already got 18 goals, Duclair. So I think... When it comes to player evaluations now, we have to be really careful not to just trust the head coach, uh, even if it is key, even if it is a coach that uh, you like. It uh, doesn't mean that they're going to have a perfect record. We've seen it around the league now where good players just get, whether it's not, not the right role for them, not the right situation, uh, we just... We don't want to appeal to authority too much when it comes to coaching decisions. Yeah, and I think the best example of that is the Vegas Golden Knights, where they pretty much got the 13 forward and the seven defensemen of every single team, and all of a sudden, guys like William Carlson and uh, Jonathan Marchessault became stars. So, and they were getting one player from each team. So, I think that was the biggest kind of realization for a lot of people. Where yeah, good point. Yeah, you you know you don't. You don't really need to appeal to authority because the evaluation of those fringe hawk, those fringe NHLers is really difficult. And I mean, I, I've heard actually a few things about Nick Patan being a potential breakout. Not, I wouldn't say a breakout star, but I think I've seen some people saying that he has potential to be a top six player. Do you see that? I don't know about top six, but I think you can play in the NHL. Like I. I I'm pretty, like, when he plays on the Marlies, he just kind of looks out of place. And Sam Gagne was kind of the same last year, who's now back with the Oilers. But for me, Patan's an NHL player. I just feel like the Leafs are a team with a ton of forward depth right now. And, I mean, I think you could say the same with Agostino, with Aberg. These guys could be NHL players if they're in the right situation. Uh, the Leafs just, they're, they're pretty deep right now, and Patan's kind of a victim of that. Uh, I don't think it's the same situation as Levo when Levo is playing behind Matt Martin and just would never get a game. Like the Leafs are playing Patan, at least giving him some chances. He's just got to be a little bit more consistent. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if he became like a maybe like a top nine player where he's like a, th- a third line winger. I actually like him at center, but I don't want to go too far in depth on Batan here, but I, I do think he could be an NHL player. What I wanted to get back to here is the defense pairings. Uh, so after, before we get into Riley Berry, because I feel like that's going to be the big one, Dermot Cece. So Cece has been moved down in the lineup for about the last, I want to say week and a half, maybe two weeks now. I know Cody Cece isn't probably not your favorite player. You probably don't have a P- Cody Cece poster in your bedroom. But maybe you do. What have you thought of that Dermot CC pairing thus far? I think they've been okay. I think that the most important thing was reducing CC's minutes. So 
for me, that is a win in itself. Um, when it comes to this week and the way that um, Lion has looked, I think they've looked okay. They have kind of been obviously overlooked just because of the um, the Hall Muzzin line. You know, they they haven't really stood out as a third pairing, but they haven't really been very very bad either. So I'm okay with it, and I want to see Dermot kind of become that defenseman on the third pairing that he was last year. And we haven't really seen it thus far, but I mean, there's still time. So I'm not giving up on Travis Dermott as I'm still obviously extremely high on him. And I do have high expectations for him in that third pairing as we saw him really dominate that type of a role last year. So yeah, I'm pretty high on Dermott. I think he's, I think he's ready for a top four role. I've been saying that for a while. Um, I'm, I've been pretty impressed with him as of late. I think with CC, I mean, it is what it is. Like he's a, he's on the third pairing now. He, he you can use him for for the penalty kill. Uh, I I think we'd all like a trade and and to get someone else there with that cap space. But uh, at this point, I'm okay with it. He's got a he's got a good pack and mover next to him, uh, and it's really kind of the best case scenario for now that where you, you know he's going to be in the lineup. So. The best spot is, is probably that third pairing. So let's get back into the the Riley-Berry pairing. Um, for me, it's just kind of like they don't have too many other options here uh, at this point. I might try Dermot with Riley. Uh, I know he did a We got to see a few pairings against Edmonton just because Barry got hurt. But I wouldn't mind Riley Barry, sorry, Riley Dermott, and then Barry Cece. I think that would kind of, like Cece can be a babysitter for Barry. I don't know if he's the best babysitter. Probably didn't take the babysitter course, but he's the the problem is you're playing two right shots together. So I just don't know where this team's gonna be come playoff time, and I think that's what everyone's asking here over and over. But if they do go on a bit of a winning streak against this easier schedule this month, maybe we see a a effort from the front office to kind of make an addition there. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to live and die by the lefty-righty, obviously, and but I have a big problem having CeCe and Barry together, even if it's on the third pair. I think putting those players in... Well, one of them is going to have to go on the left side. I don't know even if I would want... CC or, or Barry to be in that situation. Probably CC, I guess, to keep Barry the better puck mover on the comfortable side. But personally, I, I wouldn't even want to entertain that because that line sounds like a nightmare defensively. And I don't think that putting one of them on an uncomfortable side on their left side is, is really going to help. So I'm okay with, with Riley Barry for now together. Um, I know that they have had some, some rough spots, but I think... I'm okay with them continuing to learn, and, and I don't want to try even for, for a long period of time um, Barry and CeCe, so, cause, just because they're both right shots. And again, you don't want to live and die by the left and right shots, but I think that's kind of where we're getting into, into, a, dangerous, uh, into a dangerous pairing. I'd, for me, I'd like to concentrate the, the bad. I think their playing styles complement each other a little bit better than Riley and Barry's do. Um, again, I don't want to, as you said, I don't want to overweigh 
which way they shoot. But if I was to suggest something, that's something I'd like to see. I want to see Dermot in the top four. Um, I just don't think you can survive for long with, like, their bottom four right now is just brutal defensively. When you have CC on one pairing and then Riley Berry on the other, uh, it's it's not, I don't think it's a, a recipe for success long term. We'll see. Like, I think they can, like, at least Riley Berry are kind of instant action on both ends of the ice, and you do see some offense at times, but... Unless they, like, I'll give them another week, maybe, if Barry's healthy. Let's see if they start playing better. But if not, like, I am not, I have not been impressed with that line. And I think you have to do something. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I think we'll definitely disagree there. I mean, I think if you're giving them a week, that's three games, which is a pretty small kind of area to improve. And putting CeCe and Barry together kind of just, it's almost like, like, dusting the whole room and then just shoving it under the rug onto your third pairing where you have arguably two of your worst defensive players, sorry, your two worst defensive defensemen on one line and you're just kind of hoping that works. But I think, I think that's, I think you just described the Riley Berry pairing, except you're just sweeping it to the second pairing. Um, Like for me, they need either Riley has to step up defensively in a big way. You could say the same for Barry or, it's not going to work. Like they cannot continue to play the way they're playing, and I don't know if you have to break up the Muzzin Hall pairing just because you don't have any other pairing working. Uh, I'd like to keep them together, but if if we keep seeing questionable defense, and we've seen even in the Vancouver game, breakaway after breakaway, like at some point this team needs to get better defensively, and. I want change quick. I would prefer a trade of CC and, and, and getting a new defenseman in there, but uh, I do think something has to give here because it, they can't keep giving up breakaways or Frederick Anderson is going to be having some nightmares. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to disagree there. I mean, I, I think that they've still scored more goals uh, at even strength like Riley and Barry than they've allowed, and a lot of that obviously has to do with it, Frederick Anderson's performance, but... I still, and that's even with Matthews and Nylander not really firing as much as they can. So I think as they continue to play with each other, they're going to get better. Are they going to be, you know, a really, really good pairing that you can trust defensively all the time? Probably not. But I think they'll be good enough where, you know, they won't be a major, major problem giving up two to three breakaways a game. Well, if, they, if it's Riley Berry come playoff time, I'm a little bit worried. I know you said you didn't really see it as a playoff pairing earlier. Yeah, I think either way they need to make a trade and and get a defensive defenseman. That way there's no dust under any rug. Yeah, I just think if you're going to do that, you do it with the third pairing rather than the second. Um, but who knows, maybe they'll start playing better. I'm curious to see, I mean, if, if Barry's out here, do you see Marinson in the lineup? They just sent him down today. Like, would they potentially call up Lilligren. I don't want to get into that too much, but we could see, we could have a lot of things to talk about next episode uh, if Barry is in fact hurt. Uh, a few other things I wanted to touch on here before we get out of here. Um, so one, we got the World Juniors coming up. Sandine got loaned to Sweden today. Uh, should be a good tournament. Sweden doesn't really have many forwards. It looks like Lucas Raymond might be hurt. Uh, he's kind of questionable for the tournament at this point. Uh, Canada's pretty stacked. They have Lafreniere, Byfield, Drysdale. 
uh, three of the really top five picks in this year's draft. Uh, Valeno, Ty Smith, Barrett Hayton, Akil Thomas, Dylan Cousins, Bowen Byram. Like, it's a long, long list. Um, and then USA, which, I mean, it'll be Nick Robertson watch for Leafs fans. And they got Turcotte, Zegris, Cam York, Brink, uh, Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, so it is going to be interesting seeing Sandine, seeing Robertson, and they'll be taking on Mark Hunter's Team Canada. So get ready for that. It'll be fun. I, um, I had mixed feelings about Sandine being sent down, but it'll definitely make those Sweden games more uh, appealing for myself and a lot of Leaf fans. So I'm happy about that, at least. Yeah, it is kind of bittersweet because I would have liked to see him with the Leafs, but, uh, I mean, the World Juniors are always fun. And then finally, the last question here that we do every week. So the week ahead, they have Buffalo on Tuesday at home. They have the Rangers at Friday. That's a road game. And then the second half of a back-to-back, Detroit, they're playing them at home. That's probably a Hutchison start. How many points do you need to be happy out of these three games? I'm going to continue setting myself up for disappointment, and I'm going to go five because last week we went four and the Leafs were able to get four. But, I mean, I think the Buffalo game is almost as close as a must-win as you can have at this point in the season. Um, Buffalo's right in the thick of the playoff race, and the Leafs are as well. Um, and you want to just kind of avenge... You want to play well against Buffalo, especially after that last back-to-back. So I'm excited to, to see how they, they come out. And then when it comes to the Rangers and Detroit, um, those are both games the Leafs need to win. And... It looks like Hutchinson's probably going to get that Detroit game. So I want to see a win from Hutchinson in that Detroit game. And I guess I'll leave the overtime loss for the Rangers game. Yeah, I was going to say five as well. It just feels like at some point they need to go on a run. And this seems like the perfect week to do it. Uh, Eichel's been playing out of his mind. But Buffalo's a team that I think they can beat. Especially at home. And then... You look at, I mean, the Rangers, I think they're just better than. It's a road game, but uh, that should be the Anderson game, given that Detroit's not in the playoff picture, and the Rangers are at least a potential rival for the Leafs when it comes to a playoff spot. Um, and then finally, that Detroit game, even with Hutchison in that, they're, they're a pretty big favorite. Uh, so it feels like if they get four, it's kind of like, it's acceptable. We're not we're not yelling on the podcast yet, but it's not anything to. Th- we'll see some yelling online. We then. might. We might. If four four is probably okay. It's probably the low end. If they get three or less, uh, there's going to be some concern uh, for me as well. Like this is they they can't they need to go on a run at some point, and this feels like the perfect time. But one last thing, I guess. I know I've said that a couple times now, but this is kind of some some good news to end off on here. So Saturday night, uh, the Leafs won. I'm sure you know that. Pittsburgh won, which is, I mean, they are in the playoff race as well. It was kind of the one negative. But then you had the Flyers lost, the Florida Panthers lost, the Lightning lost, the Habs lost, and then Buffalo lost in overtime. And then as a little bit of a bonus, the Flyers lost again today. So... Things are finally turning around for the Leafs. I think that put their playoff odds up like 5% or something. So it it sounds like the Leafs finally have at least a little bit of momentum, whether it's them winning on Saturday or their opponents all losing. 
or I guess their rivals all losing. Um, so let's hope that that next week is. Let's hope we can build off that for for next week. So, that being said, thank you everyone for listening this week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.